الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف المرسلين سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين قال الله تعالى في القرآن المجيد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم واعتصموا بحمل الله جميعا ولا تفرقوا صدق الله العلي العظيم Our respected ulama, respected elders, brothers, sisters in Islam the listeners of the voice of Cape, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. All praise is due to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one, the creator, the cherisher, the sustainer, and our salam salutations upon the Holy Prophet Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his family and his illustrious companions. Qala rabbish rahli sadri wa yisirli amri wa hlun uqadatan min lisani yafqaw qawli. A khutbah today deals with the concept of disunity within the Muslim Ummah and the extremism that is affecting the Muslim Ummah and the problems that we are facing in the, in the Muslim world today. And if we look at the whole concept of the Hajj, the Hajj is in fact an affirmation of Wahdaniyyah. That is the Tawheed, the belief in the unity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says very clearly in the glorious Qur'an that as Muslims we have to say قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَبِذَلِكَ أُمِرْتُ وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ We Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to say and this is obviously what we need to say that indeed my prayer my rights of sacrifice, my living and my dying are only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Lord of the worlds, no partner has he, and this I have been commanded by Allah, and I am the first of Muslims, says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the glorious Quran. Now my dear brothers and sisters, that if we look at the entire concept of the Hajj, it deals with the unity of the Muslim ummah. That the entire Muslim Ummah for those throughout the world, we find that Muslims who are on this beautiful journey of Hajj, they make this journey to the sacred holy places of Islam. We go to the cover of the Prophet Muhammad and we greet the Prophet as unison. We, we all say and we greet the Prophet as our Prophet. And we go to visit his cover simply because that we show our respect to him and we all believe in him. No matter from which sect we come from, from which point of Aqidah we come from, we go to visit the Prophet Muhammad because he is the beloved of Allah and he is our beloved. And we then proceed to Makkatul Mukarramah. And at the Kaaba, we all come in unison to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we look in all directions, that Muslims from all directions come together from around the world and everybody wants to say, Labbaik Allahumma Labbaik, La Sharika Labbaik. Where we say, oh Allah, yeah, am I at your beck and call? And we find that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, after the conquering of Makkah al-Mukarramah, he told the Muslims, that go and assemble at this place called Baidah. And this is where he taught him the first concept 
of this labbaik, this calling, this beckoning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a show of unity that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Muslim ummah that once again, we display unity at the time of hajj. But when hajj is gone, the, the unity disappears. It's back to disunity. And what is amazing that there are thousands and millions of Muslims who go for hajj. They assemble there. They perform salah behind the imams of the two harams. But yet you would find they repeat this salah because say, they say that the aqidah of those imams because they are from the so-called Wahhabi school of thought, the aqidah is wrong. Therefore we have to repeat our salah simply because their salah is incorrect. And this is a fact of life. And that is why we as Muslims are all over the world, we are faced with the problem of the extremism that is existing in the Muslim Ummah, which leads to this kind of disunity. We are unable to find a solution to our present decline and, degra and degradation, whether we belong to South Africa, we belong to Pakistan, or to the Arab world, or Afghanistan, or anywhere around the world. Muslims find themselves in a critical condition, and we are even being insulted because of the mere fact that we are Muslims. There needs to be a reformation amongst Muslims. There must not be a reformation of Islam. Because Islam doesn't need to be reformed because it was never deformed. Understand that very clearly. There is nothing wrong with Islam. There is something wrong with the Muslim Ummah in the interpretation of the text of the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. A Muslim poet once asked and he said, what has happened to us? He says that today we are looked down upon by the other communities of the world. We have become like international mercenaries and outcasts, despite the fact that we are over more than, over more than a billion of Muslims in the world and the inheritors of the glorious history of Islam. We enjoy no status in the international affairs of the world. We have absolutely no power. We are over one billion, but we are only a one billion straws, which they can burn out in one tick. My dear brothers and sisters, we need to say to ourselves, it is high time that we unite ourselves around the wahdaniyyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we all know, Islam is the religion of unity. I don't like using the word religion. It is only because of understanding that I use the word religion. Because Islam is not a religion. It is not practiced only on the day of Jumu'ah. It is not only practiced when it is big nights. It is an entire way of life. The word deen doesn't mean religion. It means a way of life. In the same breath, the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad doesn't mean it is something that we can do or not do when we want to do. The word sunnah means the way of the Prophet Muhammad And that is why, my dear brothers and sisters, many of us do not know what the implications are when we make this statement. All we know is to be a good Muslim, to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the one true Allah, and we must not commit any type of shirk. Today the focus is by many Muslims 
in certain parts of the world, everything that we do today is shirk. People always say that you follow a madahib. Yes, there are people who are extremists within madahib. That you cannot blame the madahib for that. But when we speak about extremism or blind imitation or taqlid, they say, why do we follow the madhabs or the madahib blindly? The very person who speaks about that, that person's child or their children follow and they make blind imitation of those Western practices of life. For example, my child and your child, the only kind of sports shoe that they would like to wear is a Nike. Eid will come along and they say, no, we need to buy a Nike. We need to do this. The blind imitation even today. It's amazing. The other day I was asking, I came to somebody, I said, where's your son? No, he went around the corner and was looking for a Pokemon. You see the blind imitation? We have a problem with madahim. But we don't realize how blind, how we perform taqlid in another aspect of our lives. Because even if, if a person fi- uh, follows a madhab blindly, there is nothing else that he is going to go towards to but to Allah. Think about it. Because that person believes that that is the only right way. But that way of the madhab is the way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that we need to understand. My dear brothers and sisters, we must remember the concept of unity is an, of absolute and paramount importance in Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the glorious Quran, وَأَتَصِمُوا بِحَبَلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا Allah says, hold fast to the rope of Allah, which Allah has created in the ummah, and never divide yourselves into sects or groups on any grounds. This command, my dear brothers and sisters, is laid down in connection with Muslim unity. In another ayah, Allah says, مِنَ الَّذِينَ فَرَّقُوا دِينًا وَكَانُوا شِيعًا كُلَّ حِزْبٍ بِمَا لَدَيْهِمْ فَرِحُونَ Allah says, from among those who divide themselves on a petty religious issues, divide themselves into mutually hostile groups, and each and every group regards themselves as on the right path, and the other group is absolutely contemptible and kafir. Allah says, be careful of that. And this concept of takfir, of making every other person or every other group kafir, never existed in the time of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, nor in the time of the great Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala an. The Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala disagreed over many things, but never once did they regard each other as kafir. The Hawarij, the Hawarij was a, was a certain sect that came about after the battle of Safin and the battle of, of the camel. And they took, they said, Ali radiallahu ta'ala an and Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala were both wrong. We must kill both of them. They regarded these great sahaba as kafir. When they came to Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala and asked him, Ya Sayyidina Ali, they said to him, they say that you are kafir. What do you say about them? It's a logical question. When somebody says that about me and you, we will react in a different way. Sayyidina Ali replied and said, I will not call them kafir. 
The people still asked them, what do you call them? He said, they've only sinned against themselves and they've misinterpreted the text of the Quran. And Allah will be the judge of them. If we look at ourselves, my dear brothers and sisters, this concept of takfir needs to stop. Because this is the kind of extremism that is pushing people away from Islam. There was a statistic that was just a few months, uh, months ago. They did a survey of how many Muslims have left the fold of Islam in the past two years. It's close to almost a half a million. Why? Because of the extremism that is existing in the Muslim Ummah. Before you never heard of people who embraced Islam or was brought up in Islamic homes or ever embraced another religion. They never left Islam. Today you find it happening every day. Why? Because of the extremism that is there. My dear brothers and sisters, Allah Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Holy Quran in this verse that this action of division in the Muslim Ummah community into warring and hostile groups is an action which is equivalent to shirk. It is equivalent to shirk. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Inna Allah la yaghfiru an yushraka bihi. The only thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not forgive on the day of judgment is shirk. Allah will pardon all other sins but not shirk. Can there be any doubt in the light of these verses that this ummah, this community and the Muslims of the world at large are not committing shirk? It's very harsh of what I'm trying to explain here this afternoon. But it is the reality. This ummah which has been divided into mutually hostile religious groups. And in the Holy Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah warns us, وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ تَفَرَّقُوا وَاخْتَلَفُوا مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَهُمُ الْبَيِّنَاتِ وَأُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ Allah says, to not become like those of the previous ummas who divided themselves on the basis of petty religious issues and turned themselves into sex, for them there is a grave chastisement. One of the great scholars, he says that history repeats itself. History repeats itself. You know what is the biggest problem with the Muslim Ummah? And especially us here in South Africa. We are still stagnant. And we are still finding ourselves in something that has happened more than 1500 years ago. The battle that happened between the Muslims of that time and what led from there, we are still stagnant there. We are still involved with that. Instead of saying to ourselves, what happened then happened then, we cannot change it. It's a fact of life. We cannot change what happened more than 1500 years ago. That is between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let us not taint our tongues with what happened at that time. Let us move on and move to the purity of the Quran and the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The principle of unity, as spoken of in the hadith, there are numerous ones and are very clear. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, he said, Yadullahi ma'al jama'a wa man shadda shadda finnar. 
He said that the Muslim community is an, a, an organic whole, a unity indivisible, and the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes only when they are in this state. And whosoever gets out of this unity and creates disunity among them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will throw them into the fire of hell. My dear brothers and sisters, we need to seriously think about this. What is the causes of the disunity amongst us, my dear brothers and sisters? The very first one is, is that many people speak, they kill, and at the same time they want to love in the name of Allah. Now when we claim that we're killing another human being or another Muslim in the name of Allah, we need to be very careful, absolutely careful. We need to be really justified in what we are doing. You look at the example of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala an. In the heat of the battle, he was about to kill his enemy. He was standing with his sword over his enemy. And what does the enemy do? He spits in the face of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala an. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala an then withdraws his sword. He withdraws his sword. The man asked him, but you were there at that point, you could have killed me. Why didn't you kill me? Even the other Sahaba asked him, he said at that moment, I wasn't going to kill him for the sake of Allah. I was going to kill him when he spat in my face. I was going to kill him to satisfy my nafs to take revenge upon him. What does it mean, my dear brothers and sisters? Is that today, we find that there are Muslims throughout the world who are doing things in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it's not really in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he spread the message of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of the Quran, he was told by Allah, you say what I tell you to say. When he sometimes he was upset because some of his members of his family did not, did not want to embrace Islam, and he sometimes went and he wanted them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded in the Quran, don't worry about them. Even if they are near you and you love them as your family, give them the message, says Allah, and I will guide those whom I want to to the straight path. And do not do it because of your love only. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. My dear brothers and sisters, for every Muslim, who believes in the creed of Islam, the act of speaking on Allah's behalf, and consequently the results of speaking on Allah's behalf, whether the results are something which is akin to love or something akin to violence, is at the heart and core and existence of the Muslim ummah today. And if we look at the, politi the political dynamics which is taking place today, none of us can really maintain a distance or objectivity, certainly not in the way we might have to pretend to just a few years ago. Everything that is happening today, everything that is happening today concerns each and every Muslim. Don't live in a cocoon and say, I want nothing to do with that. It's like the ostrich buries his head into the, the sand. My dear brothers and sisters, we need to say to ourselves, what is the Muslim unity all about? The extremism, 
has led us to be a nation, not an ummah, a few people who is representing, in inverted commas, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it only speaks about violence. For 13 years, the message of Islam was preached in Makkah al-Mukarramah. And not once did the Prophet ﷺ lift up a sword. He was waiting for the command of Allah. And when the command came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it was not just to go and fight and to kill, it was to defend the Muslim ummah. And Allah gave permission, now you can fight. And Allah doesn't use the word jihad. He says, Kutiba alaykumul kital. I give you now permission. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to fight even if you don't like it. And you do not know, says Allah, what is good for you, but I know. And Allah says, That which you love is not good for you, it is bad for you, says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does it mean, my dear brothers and sisters? You know, there is a saying, blood is no argument. And you, you know who said that? It was Shakespeare. And you know, if we think about it, it's very true. When we shed blood, it never solves any problems. Shedding blood and killing people never solves any problems. You look at all the battles of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam from the Battle of Badr. When did people really embrace Islam? After the Battle of Badr, the Prophet wasallam treated the prisoners very kindly and courteously. He fed them. He spoke to them. He set some of them free. And some of them he set free to teach the Muslims to read and write. What does it mean? When they saw the beauty of Islam, they then started saying, but this is a wonderful religion. They saw, they saw the actions between the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and the great Sahaba, radiallahu ta'ala, and how they behaved, how they respected the Nabi Sallallahu and how they changed from the kind of people they were then when they embraced Islam. And they looked at the beauty of Islam. And most of the people that have embraced Islam in the history of Islam did not come through violence. It came through the beauty and love of Islam. And we need to understand that. My dear brothers and sisters, there needs to be a spiritual revolution. And how are we going to perform this spiritual revolution? The spiritual revolution means... We have to go back to the Quran and Sunnah of the Holy Prophet Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We are narrowly fixed on what you call of rituals of Islam. We are so absorbed on those things that it's not really, it's important. But we are only absorbed with that of the outer, not of the inner. Yes, we need to grow a beard. We need to wear a jubbah. We need to wear our pants up. We need to do this. We need to do that. But the very same person with a beard, the very same person with a jubba, is the same person when you go to the Grand West Casino. You see them pulling a one-armed bandit. So if you wear that fez and you wear all those things, then you are you representing. You're representing Islam. And when you do those wrongs, then people don't say it is you doing that. They say, look at that Muslim, look at what that Muslim is doing, he or she. What does it mean, my dear brothers and sisters? It's fine to be on the outer, but what about the inside? 
It needs to start with the heart. And that is why in the verse, which I quoted to you at the beginning of my khutbah, of the lecture, Allah says, وَأْتَصِمُوا بِحَبَلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا وَاذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ كُنْتُمْ أَعْدَاءً فَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِكُمْ The word alfaya comes from the root word ulfa. When Allah speaks about love, He speaks about mahabba. The word ulfa is a more intensive form of love. That a one's love must be so great. It must be of such a level that one's heart is prepared to sacrifice everything for the sake of Allah. Have a sense of selflessness. Like the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala an. When the muhajir, they immigrated to Medina, the Ansar of Medina said, they will share their wealth with their Muslim brother and sisters. They even divorced the one wife to get married to the other one of the muhajir. Why? For the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is love, selflessness. They were prepared to sacrifice. And when you love your Muslim brother, you love your Muslim brother to such an extent, you will die for him or for her. Are we really like that? We will kill each other, yes, for our own nafs. It's like I always say, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, he said to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, it's a most profound you know, conversation between Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I guarantee you, if our enemy as we would call it, in Islam there must always be what you call this concept of them and us. Them and us. Why do we always need an enemy to be a good Muslim? You don't need an enemy to be a good Muslim. You have to first be happy within yourself. So that you can be others, make others happy. You have to first be a Muslim in mind and in heart to make others Muslim. This is what the great Sheikh Al-Banna said. Because then everything around you becomes Muslim. And we find that this conversation is, and I was just saying, anybody must bomb the Kaaba now. Anybody must bomb the Kaaba now. The billions of Muslims throughout the world will rise up and fight whomsoever is there. But yet the Prophet wasallam he said to Aisha, he looked at the Kaaba and he smiled and he said to Aisha, he said, Ya Aisha, verily these Arabs love this house of Allah. But I swear by Allah, the honor and the blood of a Muslim is more sacred to Allah than the Kaaba itself. What does it tell us, my dear brothers? That there are thousands of Muslims who are being killed at this very moment, who are being oppressed, the blood has been shed through fanaticism and extremism, not only from Muslim upon Muslim, but from the Kafir upon the Muslim also. But we need to get rid of the fanaticism that is existing amongst us. And where does it start? It starts with us. It starts with the heart. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُغَيْرُ مَا بِكَوْمٍ حَتَّى يُغَيْرُ مَا بِأَنفُسِهِمْ Allah says, Allah will not change a condition of a people until they change from within themselves. The change needs to start with us from within ourselves. My dear brothers and sisters, you know sometimes we blow hot and cold. We blow hot and cold. We join certain groups 
And sometimes, you know, there's a saying, the devil finds work for idle hands. Where we don't have work to do. The only thing that we're obsessed with is to say that the other is wrong, the other is wrong. We need to fight, we need to fight, we need to kill. We're obsessed with this. And I remember in Egypt, there was a friend, a brother I knew, you know, an acquaintance they would call it. His name was Hamdi. And a beard was very long. He's constantly walking around with the mishwak. And the only thing he used to preach was hatred for Coptic Christians, nothing else. And a number of them were actually attacked and beaten up as a result of his khutbas on a Friday. He had hundreds of followers. In fact, he had this Wahhabi heart-style activism that was within him. The moral of the story is, my dear brothers and sisters, that five years after this acquaintance, you know, Allah caused that we met again in Cairo. And I almost failed to recognize this person. I looked, I looked again. It's the same guy, Hamdi. The beard was gone, he was in the trousers and a sweater. More astonishingly, he was working with a young Western girl on his arm who turned out to be an Australian. He got married to her and he was having, you know, he was enjoying the dunya, earning lots of money in Australia. And I then asked him, you know, what happened to you? Where is all the, you know, the beard and everything? He says, no, mashallah, Allah has blessed me now. I've got a beautiful wife, and I've moved on with my life. I say, the same guy I knew five years ago? You know what they call this, my dear brothers and sisters? They call this what you call Salafi burnout. You know what Salafi burnout? Or activist burnout. One day we're there. It's like I say in Ramadan. In Ramadan, when it's Ramadan, alhamdulillah, we're all good Muslims. And I say we're all including myself, so don't feel bad. But when I speak about Ramadan, we're so good. People will tell me, Sheikh, you know, you don't batch a Quran after, after every salah. I said, why do I need to do that? I batch a Quran every day out of Ramadan also. I said, what do you do after Ramadan? MashaAllah, he tells me, Sheikh, I batch my khatam and I'm end of the, for the rest of the year. It's burnout. We Muslims are not constant in our activism. And that is why, my dear brothers and sisters, we lose steam. Instead of being proactive in our lives. And proactivism means to stay firm in, on the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but with moderation. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he did not tell the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala to perform salah the whole day. He did not tell them to perform salah the whole night. To perform salah all the time is also wrong. For the Prophet said, That even your own nafs has a haqq upon you. One of the great sahaba radiallahu ta'ala people like Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala, they stand up the whole night. He's to, when he used to fall asleep, he used to take a stick and stand on it. Sometimes even tie his foot around, he don't fall, lean against the wall. Salman al-Farsi radiallahu ta'ala came to me and said, you're doing wrong. Everything you do in moderation, even your salah. You cannot spend the whole day in the masjid and say you want to make dhikr so forth and so on. You know why my dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, yes, you will be rewarded for it. But he said the better Muslim is the one who is on the outside helping the Muslim ummah. He is the servant of the Muslim ummah. 
What does it mean, my dear brothers and sisters? We need to start changing our idea and our concept of Islam. And that concept of Islam was the way of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Everything in moderation. That is why when the Prophet, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا That you, the Muslim ummah is the middle nation, is the pivotal nation. We need to start setting the example for the rest of the world. And how do we go about that? Going back to the true ethics and principles of the Quran and Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We've got a problem. We want to criticize the Western democracies, the Western concepts, the Western values of life. But there are certain values that is applicable to all human beings of every nation, of every religion. It is honesty, it is integrity, it is justice. It is there in all facets and all religions. And our problem is, my dear brothers and sisters, the one thing we need to realize, that when we speak about the ummah, the word ummah doesn't only constitute Muslims. It doesn't only constitute Muslims. In the time of the Prophet ﷺ, in the city of Medina to Munawwara, the Ummah of Medina weren't only Muslims. It were Muslims, it was Christians, it was Jews, it was Majans, and they practiced their religion freely. And they were all part of the city of Medina to Munawwara. The Prophet ﷺ governed them according to the way that they believed and applied their principles, but he treated them with justice, with equity. So much so that one day the Rasul was sitting with the Sahaba in the road and they were sitting and talking about something. And a janazah passed and it was a janazah of a, a Jewish person. And the Rasul immediately got up and stood up, stood up out of respect. The Sahaba asked him, Ya Rasul Sallallahu you standing up as a janazah of a Jew? The Prophet ﷺ replied and said, Is he then not a creation of Allah? What do we say? If we look at the example of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, we need to follow that example. My dear brothers and sisters, time and again, Islamic teachings are bold religious and personal freedoms. And we have dictators in the Middle East. All radical Muslim preachers who oppose the Prophet Muhammad in their words and their actions. And they are solely to be blamed for what is happening in the world today. We cannot ha preach hate from, the, from the, the member. You see some people say we make dua, Allah, destroy all the Yahudi, destroy all the Christians, destroy everybody. So if Allah destroys everybody, the way we Muslims are today, we are only going to fight amongst ourselves. And I've always said this. If the Diobandis call each other kafir, uh, call the Bravis kafir, the Bravis call the Diobandis kafir, the Bravis call the Wahhabis kafir, they call them kafir, everybody's calling kafir. The question I ask, then who is Muslim? Who is Muslim and where are the Muslims? My dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa being the Prophet of Allah, before the battle of Badr, when they went to the plains of Badr, they camped at a certain place. 
One of the Sahaba asked, Ya Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi are you camping here because it is wahi or you're camping here because it is uh, your own decision? The Rasul could easily have said to him, Why you question me? I'm the Prophet of Allah. The Rasul said, No. He said, Yes, my brother, I'm, it is not wahi, I'm stopping here because it is my own decision. He spoke to them. He wasn't a dictator, he was a Prophet of Allah who practiced shura. He discussed things with his ummah. Today we don't discuss. We are dictators in our homes. We are dictators at masajid. We are dictators in our community organizations. We want to dictate everywhere. And we are establishing dictatorships very nicely in the Muslim ummah. My dear brothers and sisters, the core of Western values, democracy, freedom, and justice can be seen as the bedrock of its civilization. And for practicing informed Muslims' freedom and democratic values are anything but new to a Muslim like that. My dear brothers and sisters, you go to every Muslim nation in the world today. You cannot speak freely. You go to a country like Jordan and you will speak out against the government, you'll be thrown in jail immediately. Muslim or no Muslim. Any Muslim country. Even if you look at a nation like Iran, who's supposedly practicing democracy and is so-called Islamic nation, in their constitution it says very clearly, and this is on the basis of Aqidah, they say that no Sunni Muslim can ever become the president of Iran. But they say no in Islamic nation. Where does it lead? You look at Saudi Arabia. The regime of Saudi Arabia is governed by who? By the Saud family. And I said this about four weeks ago, if some of you might remember. I said oil is becoming cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And the Saudi regime is going to look for another avenue for what? For income. And everybody's shocked. Hey, you saw that 2,000 riyals if we go the second time. If one and a half million people go for that month for Umrah, have you ever calculated how much money that is? It's more than $10 billion, my dear brothers and sisters. And what are they doing with that? They bought now $1.5 billion worth of arms from America, sustaining of the American regime. And what do they do with that? They bomb thousands of poor Yemeni children and they kill them. And what do they do? They say they do it in the name of Allah. Their extremism has come back to bite them back on their backsides. The very people that they gave that hard-style Wahhabi kind of activism is what has brought ISIS into the world today. And we Muslims are being identified by that. My dear brothers and sisters, we don't have the time, but I just want to read something to you and say, and I'd like to end off on this. Time and time again, it says, Islam's teachings uphold religious and personal freedom. If dictators in the Middle East or the radical Muslim preachers oppose the Prophet Muhammad in their words and in their actions, then they are solely to be blamed. It doesn't mean Islam is incompatible with freedom and human rights. It means that the hate preachers and unjust rulers who claim to be at Muslims are at odds with not only... Western values, but the requirements of the Quran and Sunnah. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. People speak about 
women's rights, so forth and so on. He declared, he declared all men were free, no one being superior to another ex except by the way of righteous conduct. He further took great steps to abolish slavery, liberate women across the Arab world whose status as chattel was widespread. This was long before similar battles were won in the West against unjust slavery and for the liberation of women. In other words, my dear brothers and sisters, Islam isn't just compatible with Western values. It started to espouse and gave these values and established them long before the Western democracies. Islamic and Western values are one and the same thing. And they have been for longer than you can possibly imagine. My dear brothers and sisters, stop being obsessed. Stop having this extremism that we have. And I can give you many examples, but I don't have the time. There are many examples of how, and the Prophet Muhammad what I find amazing is how two Muslims who believe in the same Quran and Sunnah, they are opposed to each other. I find that amazing. In the time of the Prophet they were on a journey from Mecca to Medina. So the Prophet you know, the caravan is very long. They're traveling with, with, you know, with camels and whatever. It's like, you know, along behind each other. So the Prophet sent a message. They're going to stop at a particular time, the Bani Quraida, and make Asr there. And it's long, this caravan. So half those of them were at the back of, they said, no, we're going to stop now. We're going to perform Salah. And wait for the time, perform Asr. The other said, no, we're going to rush to come to that place of that, uh, the, the, you know, where that time stays and we'll perform the salah. So the one stopped, they performed the asr, the other one rushed. And common as we as Muslims, what do we do? We start arguing. You weren't right, I was right, you were wrong, and I was right, so forth. And so they said, the best person to ask is the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet smiled and he said to them, you're both right. But Ya Rasul says, what do you mean? You said you both wanted to make salah. So why are you fighting about it? You want to do it on time. And your, your goal were both the same, is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why I find it amazing, two Muslims fight. They hate each other for the rest of their lives. And remember, my dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet sallallahu said, he doesn't say two-blooded brothers, he says two Muslims. Two Muslims who have had a problem and they don't make suluh between the two of them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't accept their salah until such time they make peace. Until such time they make peace. So we need to be a peaceful nation, a peaceful people, because Islam means peace. And if we set the example of peace, then insha'Allah, we will be able to make peace in the true sense of the word in the rest of the world, insha'Allah.